It's episode 1023, and it's the Relevant Podcast here in Orlando. I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and joining me from Loverland, Virginia, it's Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. From Nashville, Tennessee, artist, producer, mogul, Derek Miner. I'm eating granola. And also from Nashville, Tennessee today, just down the road there in Germantown, our very own downtown Emily Brown. Hey, y'all. You in Germantown? Yeah, I told you this, Derek. I told you I was coming to Nashville. Where's Germantown in relation to, for, for like, my conception of Nashville is pretty much isolated just to downtown. You know, so, so where, where the bachelorette parties happen, just yeah. go slightly west of that Germantown. All right. It's so like, you can walk there. They, right. Good job, Cameron. Good job. Right, so how yeah. long would it, so by proximity, let's just say I'm on one of those bikes that uh, have like a beer keg on it. A pedal tavern. And, and it has like 15 passengers. What, what's the distance we're talking? I'm within biking distance of the bachelorette party. Jesse, you would be on your second mimosa by the time you pulled up to her apartment. That, yeah, I yeah. was going to say, I was going to say, those things are fueled by rosé. <laughs> uh, rosé ro- <laughs> ro- ro- powered bridesmaids. Those, those, yeah. those bikes. And inappropriate necklaces. Like... What? Yes. Oh, oh yeah. man, yeah. you see all the all the young 30, 20 year olds from your church, when they come to Nashville, they probably got an inappropriate necklace on if they're coming for a bridesmaid it, party. It, 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 I'm it just letting like, you know. It's like what Nashville has become for like <laughs> basic white Christians. <laughs> like what Vegas has long has long been for just normal culture. Derek, do you feel like that's an accurate statement? Oh, without a doubt. Listen, I'm telling you right now. Listen, pastor or young young man, young woman, when your auntie or your mama says she's coming to Nashville for a bridesmaid party, pray for her. She out here, she out here doing the worst. I'm letting you know right now. We come downtown, they on a pedal tavern, Miss uh uh, Deaconess uh, Betty is just going crazy, bro. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm it's telling like they you get right a pass. now, that's they they get the weekend grace pass. Whatever vices they need Ooh. to indulge for just up up and down, going to those old saloons or whatever. You know, it's it's just get it out of your system and Sister then come Smith, back. Yeah. What is that around your neck? And oh my God, <laughs> is that your fourth mimosa? <laughs> hey, I feel like listen, I say, that's listen. not why I'm moving here. I'm not moving Emily. here for that vibe. <laughs> in, hey, look, in their defense, in their defense, Jesus's first miracle was basically keeping a, his version of a Nashville wedding party going. Amen. Okay. When the wine, when the wine tapped out and everyone's having a good time. Who kept the party going? That's right. It's your man JC. My Jesus yeah, did. Exactly. That's right. Exactly. So mm-hmm. so let's not let's not throw too much judgment on people celebrating weddings here. Oh, and I'm not judging. I'm just saying they ain't down here praying. I'm letting you know that now. <laughs> they ain't coming down here to pray. They coming out here to. They might be praying the next morning. They coming out here to play. Once again, once again, the 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 people. You know, we forget this. The Bible has a whole book that is just. Like a an, an an excited husband, you know, getting a little graphic. I'm just saying that you know, the Bible celebrates these things. You're saying Nashville is the song of Solomon? No, it's the song of Solomon <laughs> disguised as Sodom and Gomorrah. <laughs> Tell me what the difference between these bachelorette parties wearing very suggestive necklaces and other little hats and things <laughs> use your imagination and song of solomon the girl that he's writing to doesn't have a hat on like it's 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 not there she doesn't derek he uses some pretty elaborate metaphors uh uh that is basically the the old testament version of a novelty uh bachelorette yeah yeah uh, but uh, but he's not hanging off the side of a pedal tavern or he's not on a, a party bus that's the it's sweaty and foggy and it's glass and they're not listening to uh Lil John and Usher's yeah twerking on one another 
in that joint. That is that is Nashville. That if you want to, if you come to Nashville, I don't go on Broadway because there is a sweaty party bus, and there's no top on the top of it. And these two strangers are dancing on one another in the middle of traffic and they have beer and they're listening to Evanescence and they're listening to uh, uh, Lil John the Eastside Boys and 3-6 Mafia. And they're driving down the street and it's the craziest spectacle you've ever seen in your life. So that's not in Song I'm of not, Solomon. Look, <laughs> I could read you some verses from the Song of Solomon. I just pulled some up right now. Jesse, you're, sully, you're sullying <laughs> the, the bride of Christ and his betrothed. Uh, you know, it's 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 a... Me- it's a metaphor. Don't don't read it. I'm saying that. I'm saying that. Listen, my point don't is Don't equate that to Nashville. The bride of Christ, the love God has for his bride is not people going to Nashville drunkenly falling off of pedal cars. What, you, 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 what I'm saying is the enthusiastic celebration of marital romance has a biblical precedent. That's all I'm saying. Amen. That's all I'm saying. I'm not. I'm Look. You read read Song of Solomon for yourself. I just pulled up a verse, and I feel uncomfortable reading it on this podcast. To be don't honest. read That's it. Then. I'm saying the celebration of marital love, intimacy, commitment. It's pure. Yes. It's holy. That is not Nashville, where Emily is walking distance from. Is the opposite of holy. Song of Solomon is the. Portray- and again, I want to stress that is not why I'm in Nashville. If I get married, I get married. But I'm just saying. That's not my intention. All I'm saying is Jerry Falwell didn't get in no trouble till he started coming Good to Nashville. Lord. That's all I am saying. And then after mm-hmm. after he started making them trips to Nashville, then he started going to Miami. Nashville is like the ratchet gateway drug. Like, you come down here, you see it, you think it's safe. Next thing you know, you're in LA and you're at a club and, and it's crazy. So Or Miami, right? It goes Nashville. And then you get like, you know, the drug tolerance thing, like you need to keep mm-hmm. upping your drugs to get a new high. So you get Nashville. It's exciting the first few times and then it gets old. So you go to Miami. Miami takes it to another level and mm-hmm. then that gets old. You go to Vegas and then after mm-hmm. Vegas, you're in jail. So that that's the progression. <laughs> Emily, you're on the slippery slope. Okay, so I'm going to be in saying. jail in like what? five, six years. What do you think? How many? How much time do you think just I have? Stay away from Broadway. Do not go to Broadway, Emily. If I come out on Broadway <laughs> and I see your fast behind out there on a pedal tavern, half drunk with with well, why uh, are you on Broadway? Toy, because I don't be. That's what I'm saying. Well, there's an Apple Store on Broadway, so I might mm-hmm. have to go get my AirPods swapped out. But listen, <laughs> trust me. Black people are not on Broadway. I'm gonna let you know if if there's if there's a hundred thousand people on Broadway, it's three thousand black people there. We don't go there. That's that's where y'all hang at. That is where the bridesmaids. It it is understood that Nashville Broadway is ran by by people that are either one or two things. They're going to a bridesmaid that you know the bridesmaids or two. They're drunk because they're going bar hopping. That's literally it. It's bar hopping. And it's bridesmaids. And it might be both. It might be bar hopping bridesmaids. I'm not going down there unless I got to go to the Apple store. And they got the National Museum of African American Music down there. So I'll pull up on that. But when the lights go down, Derek is out. When lights go down, Derek's out of town. It's simple as that. He's on his pedal car, little pedal bike, (laughs) going back home. My question is this. What is the notch below? What is the what is the gateway drug to Nashville? Is it like an after work mm. booze cruise or, or like a riverboat? Oh, Branson. Branson. Yeah, Branson. Branson. I feel like Branson's final stop. Branson is, you know, you're out of jail and you're going to go reto- retire to the quiet oh, life. But okay, okay. You still want a little of that fun. But but it's sort of, you know, it's 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 kind of courted off fun. You know what maybe I mean? Maybe it's like it's, maybe it's like it's New fun, York City. But but also yeah. Maybe it's New York City You're where it's like that- there's a lot we as a bachelorette group we can go nice dinners shows it's not ratchet but it's yeah. you know but if you want something a little more ratchet you step up to Nashville and then you step mm-hmm. up to mm-hmm. Miami and then mm-hmm. to Las Vegas that's it yeah so Emily um, I have a question about the mode of transportation in your part of town is it just the bar the pedal taverns or and like scooters like how do you get around down there like if you were to call an uber yeah yeah is it is it you stand on the corner and flag down a pedal tavern as they go by 
Would your Uber driver actually be riding a pedal tavern? <laughs> Can I specifically request a pedal tavern Uber? No, no, you have to. It's not requesting a pedal tavern. It's how big of a pedal tavern. They have pedal tavern, pedal tavern X. You know, mm. they, you, you, yeah. That's all they, it's all you have down yeah. there is pedal taverns and those little scooters that you just leave on the side of the road when you're done with them. Yeah, limes and birds and yeah, stuff. Limes. Yeah, Yeah, that's Injury all you got. machines, yeah. All right, well, we have a great show in store for you coming up later. We talked to Phil Wickham. We also have your feedback at the end of the show. And uh, stay tuned right now up next. It's Relevant Buzz. Why are you running? Listening to Colony House, the song is Cannon Ballers. Season four of The Chosen is in theaters now, and the reviews that count are in. Amazing. Did not disappoint. Flurry of emotions. It was powerful, heartbreaking, uplifting. You have got to come and see it. It is a message for everybody. I highly recommend that you come out and see The Chosen season four. Episodes one through three of The Chosen season four are in theaters till February 14th. So visit thechosenriseup.com and get your tickets now. That's thechosenriseup.com for tickets today. Okay, it's time for... Relevant Buzz. All right, Emily, tell us what's happening this week at the intersection of faith and culture. Yes. Um, Okay, so we're going to start off with some international news first. Um, For the very first time ever, Christianity is the minority in England, um, which is huge because... The Church of England is like the the, the official religion of England, um, but a new census has come out, and less than half of um, all citizens consider themselves Christians. Um, when that's dropped, about thirteen percent just from a decade earlier. Um, all other like Muslim, Hindu population religions, those have increased over the last ten years. But the one that's grown the most is the nuns' religion, not to be confused with the Catholic nuns. Nuns, as in, yeah. Those who identify with no religion, uh, that grew from about 25% to 37%. So that's a really big increase. Um, and it is just really interesting because, like I said, you know, the Church of England has been such a massive part of world history um, and it has led to many wars and many conquerings and stuff. And so for the fact that less than half consider themselves to be Christian, um, I think it shows a real shift really in the world, but in a, you know, a lot of people are saying you can no longer consider England a Christian nation anymore because it's it's not the majority. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah, I think that's that's a, a trend, you know, that's probably not isolated just to, you know, parts of, you know, England or or Europe. Uh, you know, the decline in self-professed Christians is you know, I think we've been kind of seeing for a while. It's one of those things where it's like tough to like formulate a response to because there's so many factors that probably are, are contributing to people, you know, just kind of abandoning institutional religion. But I also think it's a further sort of, you know, not wake up call, but like almost a <clears throat> symptom of, you know, some issues within the church that should likely, you know, be addressed. Like why are people, you know, seemingly abandoning their faith and why has institutional religion and the church become a less, you know, meaningful part of people's lives. I think that really is just another, like I said, sort of impetus for real introspection when it comes to, you know, not just Christians, but people within the church and doing ministry. Are they meeting the needs of people? Because it seems like people are pretty comfortable just abandoning the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Have you noticed over the last five years, 10 years, the correlation between the decrease of professed Christians and the rise of bachelorette parties in Nashville. <laughs> it's, it's a shocking correlation. It's a direct, direct correlation. Direct correlation, bro. I think you figured it out. I think Nashville is the barometer of our international religious You know what? You're being facetious, but, and, and you are being extremely facetious. <laughs> But at the same time, 
Tennessee is the buckle on the Bible Belt. I know. Mm-hmm. I was being and facetious, but I actually think the cultural shift it, in Nashville is representative from yes. 20 years ago, 50 years ago to today. It's a different city. It's a different culture. Like It is. It is. And, and, and it's like the people that are, are like, man, I, I miss old Nashville. It's few and far between, man. They're mostly older older and and kind of they're, they're not in the scene anymore but i remember that man there was a time when nashville was extra conservative like really really conservative like growing up really conservative like the idea of like parties every day on broadway like there would be parties on the weekend but nashville on a wednesday is lit like crazy lit and i'm talking about it's wild so I think you might be on to something like if the buckle of the Bible belt is turning into Southern Vegas, we're in trouble. Like, yeah, it's, but, it's, it's, but it's I wonder, wild. too, I wonder, too, how much of it has to do with, you know, shifting standards of moral behavior. You know what I mean? Like just more mm-hmm. people are, are comfortable kind of. But- you but know, that is indicative. But that's indicative of a of a decrease of religious affiliation or being devout or you know uh, v- prioritizing holiness. I mean that is a representation of the slide of standards. For, for, yeah, I, but but I think that's more like to, to your point, like showing that you know maybe showing the trend. But I don't necessarily think it's like the cause for it. Where. You know, it's like, well, why are people kind of abandoning and, you know, faith and and kind of embracing maybe lifestyles that, you know, a generation or a decade ago, maybe they wouldn't have, you know, I think that's where the the challenge comes in. It's like, why do people feel like that one, they don't need the church in their life anymore and Mm. that they can just kind of do whatever they want to do. You know, that's where, that's the question I think is, is kind of the most interesting one and again, I, I'm sure there's lots of different opinions and lots of different research, but the the, the infusion uh, that we've seen to like almost like a hostile degree of kind of faith in politics and just how, you know, kind of the vitriol we've seen uh, among, you know, different faith communities in, you know, in light of the, like the pandemic and things like that. I wonder, you know, how much that has just like turned a lot of people off towards religion and and you know mm-hmm. but but again it th- i'm sure there's a lot of research being done about it but i think there's a lot of probably causes for this you know all right what else do you have emily um i have some other international news um and then i promise we'll get to some american news but uh we are watching closely the situation in china i feel like a lot of people aren't talking about it and i think we need to be talking about it um there's been a lot of protests that have gone on over the last few weeks uh just like thousands of chinese people have flooded the streets protesting the country's zero covid policy um for the last three years they have had a very strict zero covid policy their quarantine is very enforced um there's been a lot of digital tracking and people have really just been truly in their homes like they really can't go anywhere um but the protests really started two weeks ago when uh an apartment fire happened and there's videos of firefighters being delayed getting into the building because they were having to follow covid restrictions um keep in mind this is this was an area they'd been on a hundred day quarantine so these people i mean they were most likely very safe um And because of the delay, 10 people died and nine people were injured. Um, And so that just really kicked off a lot of people. You know, there'd been building frustration, but this was really just kind of the final straw for a lot of people of, you know, we've been following these rules. We've been doing what you've said and people are still dying, but in like a, you know, a very tragic way now. Um, So there's been a lot of protests, but because it is China, uh, it's, a little hard to figure out exactly what's going on and what's going to be done. Um, China has just a very tight grip on media and on what their citizens really know and see. Um, But there are protests going on throughout the country. Um, Like I said, just thousands of people. And so it's something that we need to be aware of um, and something that I think, you know, there's not much we can do, but I definitely think we should be praying. And if, there is a way to support them. We need to figure it out. You know, this is something I feel like, you know, the canary in the coal mine with the way with the way that the CPC, you know, enforces either ideology or policy, you know, in my opinion, was really the treatment of 
government-sanctioned Christian churches in the country dating back, what, five, six years ago, Cameron, we were even mm-hmm. covering that, where they were, the CPC was bulldozing churches. And these were churches that were technically sanctioned by the government. These weren't underground churches. These were, you know, anytime they felt any sort of threat to their authoritarian control, you know, they would just try to, you know, in, in those cases, literally bulldoze their way into enforcing policy. Now we're seeing that on a massive scale with, with you know, how they're handling all the zero COVID stuff. But I really feel like for a long time, you know, like I said, sort of the, the, the canary in the coal mine for the whole thing was the way they were treating the Uyghur community there, some of their minority mm-hmm. Muslim communities mm-hmm. and the Christian church. And, and now it's kind of playing out on a mass population. It's, it's, it's a scary, you know, you feel so much empathy for the Chinese people, you know, and, 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 you know, because the institutions like the CPC, you know, the world really hasn't seen on this kind of scale before. New York Times reported that the, the, the equivalent of the entire population of the United States is currently what on the day we're recording this in lockdown in China which is absolutely insane to me. That's bonkers. But, but it's even more than that. I mean, a lot of the, there's a lot of worker rebellion, a lot of people that, you know, mm-hmm. been laid off because of the quarantine stuff. So people out of work and they're, they're revolting. It's a lot of that. But have you seen, the reason why this isn't being talked about is the crackdown, the media crackdown. I mean, like a BBC reporter mm-hmm. got beaten and her phone taken, you know, just different, like people can't tell the story. I mean, there's videos of like pedestrians being stopped policemen going through their phone, checking Instagram or checking their phone for any social media that they might be sharing images of the protest. I actually have a friend in China. I won't say her name for safety reasons, but I have a friend in China and she's posted basically what she can to tell us that she is technically safe. But I can like, she's even said like, I can't talk more because I might be in, you know, at risk. And it's like, she's an American citizen living there. Um, but even she is still having to navigate this very tricky system. So, um, yeah, the the Chinese government, they are very much monitoring media. And so, you know, here I have a little more freedom to speak about it. So I'm going to speak out about it and say, you know, we need to be doing what we can and keeping the keeping our Chinese brothers and sisters in mind. Absolutely. And, and you know, this is something that is even beyond China. You, you look at a lot of these authoritarian regimes, you know, you look at what's happening with, you know, kind of the Ayatollah control in Iran. And, the, and, the, and people protesting authoritarian control there. You look at, you know, a lot of, you know, individuals in Russia kind of waking up to the the authoritarian overreach of, of, of Putin. And you see, you know, you see these kind of uprisings against authoritarians kind of popping up all over the world. It's a really interesting time, but definitely, yeah, need to keep, you know, the, the people in China and in Iran and, and, and Russia in, in our prayers. Did you see, the, too, that uh, that some of the, tweets about the Chinese protests on Twitter uh, got the reason why they weren't coming through is because China flooded Twitter with spam and pornography to make the algorithm hide other Chinese content. And like, so like if a little bit of Chinese content was coming onto Twitter, they then went 30 times more of this spam and porn content from China to kind of hide it. So that's why a lot of the stuff hasn't been No, are you kidding me? Yeah, that came out yesterday. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, it's crazy. Or, Dang, that's crazy. All right, yeah. right end us on a, on a light note, Emily. Talk about Taylor Swift or yeah. something. <laughs> yes, I have some very fun news. Um, not talking about Taylor Swift this week, maybe next week. Uh, but I, we are going to talk about a musician. Uh, so first off, who here is watching Yellowstone? Cameron. Okay. Um, it's on my list. I pro- I've been telling Cameron it's that for like a year. the most streamed show on TV. I mean, it's like the biggest no show on TV. Shade. No that here's the, here's the one thing. It's a cowboy soap opera. What do you want? Listen, that is the here's the thing. I, I don't want a cowboy soap opera. Hey, every every time every time Yellowstone comes up, the the yeah. one or two people in a group that watches it feels the need to qualify and get defensive before it, everyone just says like, oh. And and but the the Yellowstone fan, I you're not the only one, Cameron. Don't feel bad. It's something someone did something to you, Yellowstone fans, where you feel the need to be like, I listen. It's not the it's it's y'all great. treat us it's, y'all treat us like it's Dallas or something from the eighties. I think it's because it got snubbed for Grant or for an Emmy last no, year. No, I don't. Who cares about that? I don't care about that. No, 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 Derek. I'm going to make you interested. And here's how you know the Wire. Obviously, uh-huh. you watch. Did you watch the Wire? 
Don't play with me, bro. Come on. Next question. Okay. So you know how The Wire talked about the city of Baltimore from every season was a different angle. The corruption uh-huh. and the uh-huh. drug trade, the educa- uh-huh. broken education system, political yep. corruptness, yep. right? That's what Yellowstone is doing about land, indigenous people, corporate greed, like uh, corrupt political powers. It's doing the same thing about the American West that The Wire did for Baltimore. It is actually really deep and interesting. And it's a soap opera with pretty mountains in the background. So, you know, it's it's not, it's substantive. It's actually a substantive show, but it's also See, really entertaining. Yeah, okay. You should have led with that. You don't yeah. lead with it's a cowboy, cowboy soap, soap opera, opera, dog. Hey, that's now, my bro, self-deprecating. I don't want to watch a cowboy soap yeah. opera, dog. Like, that's the last thing. You should have you should have led with that. <laughs> the indigenous people thing is really interesting about who owns this land because the yeah. ranchers, the, so the ranchers are battling the developers. But the ranchers took the land from the indigenous people who are living on a reservation right. and had to do casinos to survive. And so, like, there's a there's a battle on all sides for the land, and that's the crux of Yellowstone. So anyway. you should have led with yeah. that. It's yeah, good. That actually, it's really good. That sounds so much more intriguing than Cowboy Space Opera. Soap opera, not space opera. Emily, now you're talking. Star Wars. Now you're talking. Next season season of Yellowstone is in space. It's if the Fast and Furious taught us anything. Eventually, you're going to shoot something into space. I would watch Yellowstone in space. Absolutely. Um, (laughs) They're going to fight over the land of the moon. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, I would love to do that. Um, Anyways, okay. So Yellowstone. So one of the stars on the show, Luke Grimes, he plays Casey Dutton, which I believe is kind of like the bad boy s sort of guy, right? Ooh. Who is he's he? the son of the rancher, the powerful rancher who doesn't buy in. His wife is a, a Native American. He he's the outsider of the family, but he's good hearted. He's a hardworking guy who loves his wife and wants to provide for his kid, and doesn't want to get swept up in the corrupt politics of the ranch and power structure. Okay, so the opposite of how mm. I described him. Um, great character, yeah. <laughs> great character, okay. High moral character. So he was on the Kelly Clarkson show, um, my personal favorite talk show, if anyone cares. Uh, and they were talking about their first concert experiences. And he had a very interesting concert experience. Here's him talking about it now. It's hard not to. What about yeah. you? What was your first concert? So I grew up really Christian. Wasn't really allowed to listen to <gasps> secular. I wasn't music. either. Yeah. Funny enough. Oh, okay. Already... There yes. we go. Yeah. You remember Carmen? <laughs> Did I go to the concert in Carmen? Dallas, Texas? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It was like a. It was like a love offering show. You never had to buy a ticket. You just they like passed a bucket but, around. Yeah, like, like the offering church. plate kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, exactly. So yes. Carmen would have been my first concert. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That I don't know if that was my first, but it was one of my first, and it literally was where all the church kids went, like oh, yeah. to go to a concert, and you felt. Like you were cool. Yeah, Carmen yeah. was amazing. He had yeah. people like dressed up like the devil. On stage, say, you the devil? And yeah. Jesus would fight the devil. Yeah, crazy. There was, it was storytelling. It was like an adventure. Yeah, was, yeah. Yeah. yeah, Derek, that's what you need for your shows. Make it more oh, of an no, adventure. Cool. <laughs> See, okay, I've never went to a Carmen show. I need to know more. Did y'all go to one? Because I need to know more about this yeah. whole Jesus versus devil on the stage. Have what you is seen that? any of his music videos? No. There's one okay. where he literally gunfights demons. Like he walks into a saloon. <laughs> yeah, it's a Western. It's, it's been a while since I've seen it. It's the pretty show like for Yellowstone. My, yeah. In my <laughs> memory, in my memory, and Cameron, when you when you're gonna make your point here, I'm gonna look this up. But in my memory, Carmen walks into like a saloon in like a duster, like yeah. a, like a floor length duster and a cowboy yeah. hat. And for some reason, there are like very for for Christian music video standards from the late '80s standards. They're pretty high production value demons. And he just starts murdering them, like literally shooting them <laughs> with handguns. Well, think about it. He walks into the wow. saloon and all the demons are drinking and gambling and cussing and fighting. And he walks in there. Is it in Nashville? <laughs> They're riding around on tavern carts, <laughs> tavern bikes. <laughs> <laughs> and so he walks in with his righteous invasion of truth and he's going to kill all the demons who are sinning. And yeah. he was the most theatrical, <laughs> like every, every, like the champion was a galactic boxing match between the forces of evil and the forces of good. Uh-huh. And, and like the, the mo- it was, every music video was a, a movie. It was, mm. so he brought that to the stage and so what he would do is he'd go around to cities and fi- buy out an arena. He would rent an arena and have a free concert 
And it would be mm. to the rafters because every youth group would come, every church group would come. And then it was free. And then they would give an offering during the show. And he'd make so much more money than if he had sold tickets, right? And mm. then it was like this very theatrical concert, huge, you know, production value was like something that we had never seen in the Christian space before. And then altar call, people get saved. It was it was a thing. It was a whole thing. So All, all right, guys. I, I just pulled up the music video and I'm watching That's- it on mute. So maybe there's subtext I'm missing, but I just pulled up the music video for Satan Bites the Dust and my memory is pretty accurate. Satan but Bites I the Dust. I don't remember. Yeah, oh, yeah. Satan Bites the Dust. And here he walks into a saloon and immediately open fires and shoots and kills the human bartender and car dealer immediately. Right. Right. Like without asking question, Carmen well, you just need walks to, in and starts shooting. Because they're proprietor, they are the proprietors of sin. You got to kill them. That's the only way. He seems he seems to be taking Jeez. his time <laughs> shooting all the demons. But for some reason, he immediately points the he walks through the saloon doors and just shoots the bartender straight up. Carmen. It's, it's, listen, it was brutal entertainment. Our, our Yellowstone man was right. He, he wasn't pulling any punches here. Brett Carmen then set the whole world up. <laughs> <laughs> man, he made a career out of this. Good, you know. And then look at this. Shaping the next generation of actors, Luke Grimes, people, Kelly Clarkson, people like shaping culture today were shaped by Carmen. So there you go. All right, that'll do it for Relevant Buzz. Check out relevantmagazine.com every day for the latest at the intersection of faith, life, and culture. Follow us on all the socials as well. Thanks, Emily. No problem. All right, stay tuned. Up next, Bill Wickham joins us. You're listening to Jadu Heart. The song is Freedom. Hey, if you like this podcast, but you might like it better if there were no ads, you can do that. Head over to relevantmagazine.com and sign up for Relevant Plus. For just a couple bucks a month, you get this podcast ad-free. You get ad-free unlimited reading at relevantmagazine.com, including the full podcast and magazine archives. Our beautifully designed digital issue and a little more. Uh, check out all the info right there on the Relevant Plus tab at relevantmagazine.com. Well, our guest today is Phil Wickham. He's a worship artist who recently dropped some great new Christmas music. He sat down with our very own downtown Emily Brown to talk about the music and what he's looking forward to in the new year and why Christmas music is so important to him. Here's our conversation with Phil Wickham. Well, I am really excited to talk to you about your Christmas tour that you're getting ready to go on. Um, what can people kind of expect from that? Uh, well, hopefully they're really Christmassy and cozy. Um, I, 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 so real short backstory. I grew up in, Christ, in, in a church, in a Christian home. My parents are worship leaders. So I grew up leading worship since I was 12 years old. Going to Christmas services was like my favorite thing as a kid. I just, I just always loved um, I lo- how the church would pack out and we'd, everybody bring like pies and Rice Krispie treats and hot cocoa. And we'd sing about Jesus and the story and the presence and the wonder. And the, it, it, it's what, we, what so many people love. And honestly, what a lot of people hate probably too. It's associated with weird, weird memories. But I'm so thankful that I, I look back at a family that loved each other and loved Jesus and kept him first and celebrated the season. And so I've got all that nostalgia that I bring into these Christmas records and Christmas songs, um, which obviously I love the nostalgia, but even more than that, the older I get, the more it blows me away, this idea that God came to us. You know, he's Emmanuel, that in the in the manure of the stable and the manure of humanity and the darkness of who we were, that the God of all the universe like creates it creates galaxies beyond our, our counting, came to meet us right where we're at and that we could say, when I, because of that, we can say about the God of the universe that He understands when I'm betrayed, He understands when I'm hated, He understands that I'm alone, He understands that I'm tired, He understands that I'm hungry, He understands it all. 
because he walked there and he he went before us and we can follow him into life and that's like the quick quick story of like every year i think god expands my understanding a little bit more of of the, the hugeness and humility and love of what the season is and i just love singing about it and i love these old hymns and i love these old carols and all that being said i hope that that love and wonder that god is continues to grow in me toward about the season and nostalgia um all kind of gets thrown in into a moment where we can come together as a people and worship god and celebrate him there will be a day when all will bow before him there will be a day when you know it's interesting too you talk about like the nostalgia because i noticed in your new song behold which i do want to talk about as well you mix like some classic lyrics in with sort of like a new thing and um i think that's really interesting that you you don't just like rely on the old things but you also just don't throw them out um is that something that was it intentional or something yeah 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 like or did it just kind of naturally happen no it, it was that song was very intentional and, and like years of wanting specific songs i think will continue to speak into songs in the future for christmas so like i grew up like i said i grew up leading worship and you just uh when it comes to christmas time you you want you need you need to sing these songs that people have connected the season and these emotions and and the truth of the whole season with like you can't it, it would be it would be like a travesty to throw them out and just try to go all new you know but they're also I think just our human nature and and uh, and as crea- as someone creative and, um, and and wanting to get up on stage and bring something that has has a freshness in its heart and in its spirit and uh, and so that was that was really I I literally wrote on the top of the paper I'm like I'm like oh come let us adore him but in a different time signature than normal with new verses <laughs> that's like <laughs> that literally was that I I like I made that thesis statement before I wrote the song like okay I. I think I'm going to do, so oh, come let us, oh come, I, I can't, oh come, oh ye faithful, oh come let us, adore. usually it's in 404, right? Oh come let us, adore. but if you're, if you know anything about, if you know any, a little bit about music, there's different time signatures, and so I thought, well, what if we t- change the time signature to 6-8, so it's a little bit more pirate, oh come let us adore him, you know? And then um, it's like, okay, that works. So that that kind of set it on a new trajectory. Like, okay, if we do, oh, come let us adore him in six day. Then what if we wrote kind of some hymnish verses, but they were kind of new. So it felt like we were singing a new worship song, but at the same time we hit the chorus and no one has to look at the screens to know the le- next lyric because everybody knows, oh, come let us adore him. And so I, I battled I battled for a while with that song, but it was, a, it was fun. It's always fun to have so often I don't, but it's fun to have a uh, a really clear vision um, of it's like it's like someone asking he's like hey write the love the love song in a Disney movie about this you know it's like okay I know exactly what I'm supposed to write you know let's try to figure it out uh, and so that's what I, it's fun it was fun to have like our bullseye and tried to hit it and we'll continue to do songs for the future you know. Behold the king has come Creator of the world, breathing our air. How do you feel like you've changed as a worship artist over the years? I think that there's a turning point for me. Several years ago, I had this moment where I lost my voice and had to get surgery on my vocal cords and this polyp removed and. Um, it's kind of a big deal. Now that I think back to it, it's like there's way bigger deals that you can go through. But at the t- at the time, it was really disheartening, and uh, and and uh, like literally the day I had a song that's been a part of my life a lot since it was written, but called "This Is Amazing Grace." It like hit number one in the day, the literally the week it was number one on like the charts or whatever. Uh, I was diagnosed with this thing and had to like be silent for two months and then get surgery and then be silent for another two months and then have three months to rehab then i could see so there's like a seven eight month like situation where i had to cancel all, everything um but god really um hugely used that time uh in my life to uh show me a lot of things that didn't even know existed in that were negative um and a huge part of it was like how much I uh, depended on like the approval of man, you know, the like how much I depended on pe- like 
people liking like like I, my my emotions would rise and fall on like iTunes reviews back then. You know what I mean? Like like I or like I, was, once I couldn't sing, I really felt like okay, like what the heck do I have to give? Like you know and. And that, that's where I like, I know what I'm supposed to do and people clap at the end of it and they make, they let me know I did a good job and that's how I, that's my existence, you know what I mean? And I'm so thankful for that time of silence because God really used that to begin in a huge way. Or now it just feels like, I, can't, that's, I was like such a, in bondage to that. <laughs> like, I didn't realize it. Uh, it's just, just to kind of put me on a trajectory of like, just simply wanting to love, love him and love the church in a way I thought I already was doing, but I realized I wasn't because I was putting all this, like, I didn't think I was great. But, and so when I say ego, it wasn't like I'm great. It was ego, like thinking like, oh, I hope people don't think I'm great. Instead of thinking like, I want God help. I just want to do something great to the Lord, you know? And so, um, and so that, I think that shift happened. And so this is a long story. You asked, how have I changed the worship leader? And I would say back, that was around 2000, goodness, 14. And since then, um, it's really, I realized it's really become a joy. Just, I wouldn't have classified myself as this kind of person. I would have probably said I was an artist who worships, you know. And now it's like I just, I just see myself as a, as a person. I love to serve the church with hopefully new song, with new songs that hopefully might help the body of Christ out and give uh, some new tools in the tool belt of worship leaders and do it in a way where I get pumped in this. Like I want to be pumped about it too. Um, but I get, I get more pumped now about. Uh, like seeing some international church singing a song of mine that I was a part of, and no one in that room has any idea who Phil Wickham is. This is amazing grace. That was Phil Wickham. Hey, you know what? Not, don't just check out his new Christmas music. If, if you're ambitious, head over to YouTube. Uh, Phil came a few years ago. He came through the Relevant Studios and recorded some amazing live tracks. You can find them on the Relevant YouTube channel. Go check them out. All right, stay tuned. Up next, it's your feedback. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Make the Yuletide gay. From now on. You're listening to the best. The song is Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. Now, I know that the last couple of episodes, we haven't been playing Christmas music. We kicked it off right after Thanksgiving. But I played that because I want to remind you that we have a very special playlist just for you. Head over to Spotify, search up A Very Relevant Christmas. It's 275 handpicked songs. Set the mood, hit shuffle. It's a perfect vibe for the season. No Mariah Carey all good stuff. Go check it out. A very relevant Christmas on Spotify. Well, today's show is also brought to you by UHSM. Do you need healthcare? Well, look no further. Unite Health Share Ministries is here for you. UHSM does health care sharing differently. Their affordable health share programs give you access to over 1.2 million physicians nationwide and over 86,000 pharmacy locations near you. Enroll anytime and join their community of like-minded members to live happier and healthier lives. Their healthcare sharing programs are affordable, reliable, and community-oriented to help you when you need it. Call 888-774-UHSM today to learn more about UHSM and healthcare that you can have faith in. Disclaimer, UHSM isn't a medical insurance company, nor is the membership offered through an insurance company. Call 888-774-UHSM to learn more about how UHSM can help your health care needs. If you go online, use the code FAITH99 to save $99 today when you visit uhsm.com for more information. Feedback, I shared the link. Here we go. All right, it's time for your feedback. Um, okay, I wasn't here for this show. I was in Israel. So the question is, maybe you guys can give context, but the question is, if you could see Netflix give $100 million to any project, what should it be and why? Where'd that question come from? Yeah, the context is that Jesse just wants to give $100 million to The Floor is Lava. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Up the game. And I want to see 
And I want to see Extreme Twister and Hide and Seek on Netflix. Mm. Oh, the yeah. new series of The Floor is Lava yes. has definitely upped their production value. I mean, the set is more elaborate. I mean, not so. enough. They got a little bit more money. But imagine what they could do with $100 million. Put it in a pocket. <laughs> Floor is Lava on an actual volcano. There's one erupting in yeah, Hawaii no. right now. Just go there. No, I. No, the real talk is you want to improve the game, give away, a hundred, make the prize $100 million. See how people, see how legit people go all out then, you know, up the stakes a little, but either way. Um, Anthony says, <laughs> Bible man. Yes, that Bible man in the future. I'll buy the rights to the IP and pitch it to Netflix and see what happens. But Bible man is my answer. A $100 million Bible man franchise. I would watch just out of pure curiosity. Um, Casey, Casey McMillan, y'all were talking about Yellowstone. He has a, a good spin on that. He said, being from Montana where Yellowstone is one of the hottest shows right now comes Yellowstoned, a comedy where ranchers get into the weed business. I like where you're going here. This reminds me of, uh, what's the movie with Marty Bird? Uh, the show? Ozark. Ozark. It's Ozark, but on, on horses. So. Yeah. Oh, I was thinking like Breaking Bad. But yeah. yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yellowstone, yeah. Breaking yeah. Bad with Cowboys. I like it. Um, I like Jeremy's suggestion. Uh, he said three words, adventures in Odyssey. I'd be interested in that because uh, I feel like Netflix would do some sort of gritty reboot and that just seems very interesting to me. I think they would like absolutely butcher all the characters, but I would watch it because it would be interesting. And what is that? What is Adventures in Odyssey? It was a focus on the family cartoon from the 90s where... Okay. I'm thinking of McGee and me. Adventures in Odyssey was the cartoon and Odyssey was the town and it had an old man who kind of mm -hmm. was the wise old man of the small town and the kids learned a lesson every episode, you know. Oh, okay. it, wasn't there time okay. travel or involved? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So what's his name? Mr. Whitaker. He would always like create. Yeah, he was he an inventor. Eugene, they would create these weird inventions. Yeah, that's right. Yes. So, so, so Netflix would kind of have a Stranger Things type of vibe, right? Okay. Like a little, a little supernatural, yeah. a little time travel, some precocious young, you know, uh, uh, you yeah. know, protagonist. I could, I could actually see it. I could actually. But see a Christian it. lesson I'll, somewhere deep I'll down. I'll allow it. I like it. What's that dog yeah. in the kid movie? Uh, uh, Mister Peabody. There was that 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 came yeah. out a few years ago. Oh, okay. I thought you were talking about Airbud. <laughs> the dog that joins the basketball team. Yeah, he basketball team, soccer team. Hockey Quite team. The they had a whole franchise yeah. for Airbus. Imagine if you're the kid who got cut so they could sign the dog and the dog got your your roster spot. <laughs> no, I always think about Stuart Little where the mouse got picked over actual orphan children. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> Dang, that's dark. That's, that's dark. That's, that's a villain origin story right there. That is a villain origin <laughs> yeah, story. That's my, if I get picked over a little, a little mouse, sure it can talk and it wears a cute little sweater. <laughs> like, well, how does the dog even dribble? I don't know. They picked it over me, though. Yeah. Uh, Greg Re Reamer says he, they should do a multi season show about the life of Jesus. Faithful adaptation, have realistic dialogue, that kind of money, da da da. Oh, wait. Oh, he says uh, you could have a separate app where tens of millions of people could stream it for free. Oh, wait, never mind. I was going to say, you're describing The Chosen. And then, okay, he, he was describing The Chosen. Have you, have you guys watched The Chosen? I'm hearing a yeah. lot of Chosen Buzz. Yeah, well, the is new it, season just it, came yeah. out. It's, yeah, it's really good, right? It's really well made. What is that about? The life of Jesus. It's it's a oh, dramatic. Oh, okay, loop. that's dope. Yeah, it's it's available for free. They they it started because they raised tens of you know millions of dollars from Kickstarter to fund it, mm. and they made this great high production value Bible story, put it out for free because they didn't need to sell it, and then. They just keep paying it forward. So they raise money for the next season, make it, put it out. That's and beautiful. So you, you got a Roku, it. Apple TV, chosen app. So Angel Studios. I love it. Yeah. All right. Well, there's a lot more where that came from. Ross Weasley says a Monster Mash music video for $100 million. Okay. Sheesh. Anyway, there's a lot more where that came from. All right. You can check it out on Twitter at Realm Podcast to see it for yourself. Okay. It's time for this week's question of the week. Okay, well, it's Christmas season. Got us thinking about presents. Uh, we want to know for this week's question of the week, the most disappointing Christmas present you ever received. We've all had those Christmases where we were hoping for that one thing and we got Pain. the other thing. <laughs> Pain? 
<laughs> yeah. So hit us up on Twitter at Relevant Podcast, or you can answer it on when we post it, the question on our IG story as well. And we will read our favorite answers next week. Your most disappointing Christmas present you ever received. This is about to be sad, y'all. I'll just let y'all know. <laughs> the, 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 the year daddy left. Yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah. Bro, it's about to be sad. <laughs> yeah. What'd you, my, my, weird, my most disappointing Christmas gift, a new dad. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Oh, no. Oh, man. I'm sorry, y'all. I don't know why they made y'all uh, come up with this crazy question, man. <laughs> no, I remember, I distinctly remember one Christmas, my cousin, we were kids. He, he really wanted a keyboard, like a musical keyboard. And sure enough, there was a box that was wrapped from grandma that was in the shape of like a giant, you know, like a big Casio. Yeah. And he was playing the box like a piano. He was so excited. He just knew he was getting that keyboard. Oh, hey, oh, no. Opens it oh, up. No. It's a hockey net. We don't even play hockey. Oh, and it was a hockey net. PVC. <laughs> the look on his face. It was captured on home video. And we still watch it and laugh every day. <laughs> Villain origin story right there. All right. Okay. Hit us up. Let us know. Well, before we wrap things up, I want to thank Phil Wickham for joining us today. Make sure to check out all of his brand new Christmas music. And like I said, go check out his performance from a few years ago at the Relevant Studios. You can find it on the Relevant Magazine channel at YouTube. Also, uh, while you're online, head over to RelevantMagazine.com. Check out the current digital issue of Relevant. You can click on the magazine tab right there at relevantmagazine.com. We have amazing conversations with N.T. Wright, Regina Hall, Dayglo, MIA, so much more. Uh, and also, make sure to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, so you don't miss out on all of our latest content. If you like the show, if you like what you're hearing, if you're still listening, tell people about it. Share the, share the episode on social. Uh, rate it. Review it wherever you listen, whether it's Apple, Spotify, or any of the other aggregators. Uh, it helps the algorithm, helps people find it. We love the feedback. Okay. Well, on that note, we'll wrap it up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm Derek Miner. I'm Emily Brown. I'm your new dad. Merry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you next week. <laughs> listening to the relevant podcast check out our features interviews and news updates every day at relevantmagazine.com and make sure to follow relevant on facebook twitter and instagram for the latest for more great podcasts browse the shows on the relevant podcast network which you can find at our site and while you're there don't miss the all-new era of relevant magazine a new issue releases every other month at relevantmagazine.com Would your Uber driver actually be riding a pedal tavern? <laughs> Relevant Podcast Network. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.